You're listening to the Keeping Wanderlust radio show. I'm your co-pilot. My name's Chris. And I'm Kayla. And each week we're here to inspire you to fall in love while traveling around the globe. We'll share our own personal stories of eating, drinking, and seeking out adventure, and the stories of other interesting people we meet along the way. So put your trade tables down, recline your seat, pour yourself a glass of wine as we bring you Keeping Wanderlust Radio. It's half travel guide, half love story, and half sober. (laughs) (laughs) So what are we looking at there? Read that bottle for us. All right. This is a Carpene Malvolti. 1868 extra dry. So and is it wine? Is it sparkling champagne? What? Oh, it's Prosecco. You guys didn't go. get that? <laughs> <laughs> so you're going to hand the bottle to me. And I guess this is celebratory. Yeah. Because this is our uh, first ever annual, inaugural, first annual. Can't have a first annual. So we're going to pop the cork on this. I don't think we'd typically drink Prosecco or Champagne on this show. We're going to try to do a different bottle of wine each week. But uh, tonight we just wanted something that made a lot of noise for the first episode. So here we go. Oh, she's squinting. (laughs) I'm scared. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to break something. Yeah. There's so much. There's lights. There's So here in the Wanderlust studio, there's tons of breakable stuff. So here we go. Go. <laughs> so Why don't you hand me your glass? There? I typically put a napkin or a cloth over a bottle of champagne before I pop it, but I wanted to go straight for it. How's that? This is we're down to the bottom of the barrel on our wine glasses too. So I broke <laughs> one yesterday yet again. Pretty soon we're going to be drinking out of our uh, what is it? Uh, I think we have some martini glasses that we've never actually used. We're going to be drinking wine out of those pretty soon. <laughs> We've been through many, many wine glasses. So in each episode, I think the idea is that we'll we'll crack open a new bottle and we'll try to describe it to our listeners. So what did we say? A Carpene Malvolti. Mm-hmm. And this is from, I don't know anything about Prosecco. It says Fondata Nel 1868. I don't even know what language. This has got to be Italian. Italian. Yeah. Conigliano Valda Jesus. Yep. Did you get some guidance when buying this one? Uh, yeah, I did. I said, I want a nice Prosecco. <laughs> and he's like, is $19 too much? I'm like, ah, f- should I know? <laughs> so, Con- Conigliano Valda I'm butchering this. We're going to have to take a, uh, a photo of it and put it in the show notes. But uh, the whole idea is we're going to just chit chat. Uh, and see how long it takes us to get through this bottle. If we happen to have more bottles of something lying around, we'll keep chatting. But as soon as we're out of booze, we're going to wrap up the show. Um, how would you... Oh, this is a quick sidebar. So to help us iron out some of the weird audio cues or, or whatever words that we abuse too often, tonight's word of the day is so... So if you're playing at home and you've got a drink in your hand, every time I say the word so, take a drink. Uh, so Drinking. There we go. <laughs> back to the so. Back. Let's start in simple. Dive right in. Um, how would you describe what you think we're going to cover on the show and, and what do you think our little angle or differentiator would be? Yeah. So, oh, 
No, it's only when you. It's say only it. when I say it. So. <laughs> That's a good one, actually. I it is. I've, didn't realize I've, I was going to be saying it as much. I can't believe how much I say it. So at work, I've, I just said it. I've at never... work, whenever I'm trying to transition, it's just this weird. I insert the word "so" at the beginning of every single sentence. I'm sure I do too. Now I'll be conscious of it. And that's the whole idea here. So drink. All right. <laughs> uh, so, <laughs> wow, I can't not. It's, it's that bad. Oh, man. Maybe it'll be easier once we start drinking. What we're trying to get. <laughs> Nailed it. <laughs> that was so difficult so for you. Difficult. But that was, I used the word so as in so difficult right. as opposed to like it actually had a place at the beginning of that sentence or in the middle of that sentence. I would say the goal of this is for us to really share some of the travel experiences that we've had. One of our biggest passions and why we really fell in love with each other in the first place is because we're both very adventurous and we get such a kick out of going to a new place or you know having a new experience together and we really after what four plus years of being together have built up so many amazing stories and I guess we want this to be that platform to share those yeah I would totally echo that I think at one time especially early in the relationship you were I think it was before we took a trip to South America which was our first big international trip together, you said something along the lines of you, I think there was like three or four boxes you needed to check off when you're dating somebody or getting to know somebody. And one of them was, uh, can, can you travel with them? Yes. So I don't remember what the others were. <laughs> had something to do with like being in stressful moments, like or life stressful moments. Yeah, do definitely. Um, that was, those were two of them. I don't actually remember what the third one was. You're sort of reminding me of this, but I mentioned Absolutely. the second one. What was the second one? The second one was, well, traveling in the first place. I feel like they're two separate ones, right? So part of it is just having the motivation to travel in the first place. Sure. And putting yourself out there. And, you know, there's some people that just don't find joy in that, that like staying at home or, you know, don't get excitement out of jumping on a plane and seeing something new. Um, but with traveling, that feeds into what you were starting to say is, through traveling, you're always going to experience something crazy and stressful and unexpected. And you really see people's true colors and how they handle those situations. And I'd say you're definitely better than I am in all of those situations. <laughs> <laughs> Whether we're traveling or here, when anything gets stressful, you are the one that keeps me grounded always. Uh, but do you remember what the other things were? So I think one of them was how do they how do they handle conversations about money or something like that, or how do they treat their parents? I don't even remember, but there was like two or three boxes that you said, you know. But I just remember one of them was traveling. Well, either way, I guess that's apropos because it's the only one I remember. Um, yes, I think, and our angle really is. I, I don't think that we would have found like courting one another and getting to know one another. I think that, I mean, romantically, we never would have made it this far had we not had those adventures together um, and had we not found out over the years that we do make really awesome travel buddies mm -hmm. for one another. So I definitely feel like I'm marrying my best friend and I met my best friend largely on the road. <laughs> so it was pretty cool. Uh, so that's that's really sort of, I, I guess, our, our angle. Uh, what we're going for here is to you know, chat with one another, obviously have these conversations. Um, so in terms of like what 
I guess our listeners can expect to hear each week when we sit down and slowly get sober. I, I guess if I were to say what the show's all about, I'd say it's half love story, half travel guide, and half sober. (laughs) (laughs) Throw back a few, um, get loose, have a couple of conversations, but more about how we fell in love with each other through shared experiences traveling the world. Um, In in terms of what you're personally looking to get out of this, obviously most of what we're going to be talking about is going to be personal experiences, you know, that we've shared um, and what we're doing while we're actually on the road. It'll be fun to actually do some mobile recording. Um, But in terms of what you're personally looking to get out of sharing on the radio, you know, on air, what's in it for you? Most of this is going to be outward focused, but if you were to look internally, where would you say your drivers are? for sharing this stuff on the air? I think the biggest driver is probably self-reflection and just reflection of some of the different experiences that we had. I think, I mean, me personally, I don't have a great memory, so this is an awesome way to document (laughs) (laughs) what I did this morning, let alone a year ago, and to really have a place to not only share those experiences, but somewhere that I can look back on and reflect and remember what we did and what stood out. And I think the little stories that are so easy to forget are the things that we'll kind of remember as we start to ask each other questions and and have these conversations. So I think that's a big piece. Um, I also think we'll learn a lot about each other, just sort of in doing a little <laughs> riff that, you know, we did the other day. It was an opportunity for me to tell stories that I had never told before. And I think it was the same for you. And it just kind of brings back some of those experiences that we've had either together or not and gives us the opportunity to talk about them and share them. I I'm definitely looking forward to hopefully this being a platform for me to grow individually, right? To be more vulnerable. I do find that with a microphone stuffed in my face, I have a tendency to just not shut up and God only knows what's going to come out of my mouth. Um, I'd love to be able to go back to Chris of 10 years ago and listen to a conversation he had to see, you know, just to reflect on it or if I would even recognize that guy. Um, And I do believe that this is going to force me. I can be very easily, like when you go out of town, I'm a homebody. I just sit around playing video games on my phone or binge watching Jack Ryan on Amazon or something. And uh, I think this will force me to get out of my comfort zone. I haven't done much in the way of solo travel for pleasure. Um, I haven't, I usually throw headphones on or try to stuff my face into my phone when I'm on the train or if I'm out there. I'm hoping this will force me out of that comfort zone that I've sort of, you know, I feel like I painted myself into a corner a little bit and I've stunted my growth. So I'm hoping this will force me to seek out opportunities to find other people that have really wild, interesting stories or, um, you know, have found love traveling on the road or help me expand and grow personally but how would you uh what what do you hope that are so enough about us but what do you hope our listeners get out of this or you you have a couple of travel podcasts that you love listening to um what is it about those that make you keep coming back yeah so it's funny I don't think I would be I don't even think I would have listened to a podcast I'm just not I don't know I'd never sought them out until you started playing them all the time around me. (laughs) And it's just this thing that, you know, you put on when you're getting ready in the morning or when we're, you know, cleaning up around the house. And 
for a long time, I'd find myself sort of tuning in and tuning out of some of the different things that you'd listen to. And they'd be such a wide variety of topics and uh, people speaking and, you know, whatever they may be. I would just find it so hard for myself to keep my attention on what they were talking about. And I don't even remember how I came across it the other day, but not the other day, a while ago, but I found a couple of travel podcasts and I found that as I started listening to podcasts around a topic that I was really interested in, and I can't say there are many that would hold my attention like these did, but because I'm so inspired by the people who are sharing their stories, I'm, I can't get enough of them. So I think with that being said, I would love to be that source of inspiration for somebody else to be able to share what I've done in my past to hopefully inspire somebody else to aspire to do the same. If you had to give a shameless plug to something that you listened to recently or a particular story that you heard, could you rattle one off the top of your head or probably not? Yeah. Well, the one I've been listening to recently is The World Wanderers, which is a couple The couple from Canada? Lives a nomadic life. They're from Canada, so they have these really peaceful voices that are just so easy <laughs> to listen to. Um, and they have been on the road for, I think it's like four years or something now. And it's cool. They mix in their own stories and places they've been. And they also do interviews with other people who either live nomadic lives or have just traveled a bunch for various reasons. And all the stories I find are so interesting. And they're a couple, right? Are they? Yep. Yeah. Okay. Sorry. I'm on my second glass of, I don't even know. I'm going <laughs> to try to pronounce it again. Carpene Malvot. Capenne ma volte. Oh, much better. You just <laughs> you got, needed the hand You up need the hand movement. You <laughs> had to pinch of salt straight up in the air. So which episode? So there was one I think you were listening to. Or what was the first one you listened to that got you hooked on them? Because they are. I, I agree. I've been listening to a couple of theirs lately, too. Mm-hmm. There were some pretty cool ones in there. My favorite, hands down, is the the couple from, uh, I think it's honeytrek.com. Yeah. Yeah, the group, the the couple that got married and went on their honeymoon and just never came home. Yeah. I don't think they intended to be gone as long as they were and they, they'd never came home. Like you said, so a trip that obviously they didn't want to end. Um, the one that I started out with listening to was about their, I think it was their four year anniversary doing the podcast and it was a recap on, Looking back on their looking, first episode. Looking and back on their first episode, looking back on all the places they had been, looking at how far they had come. And I just remember hearing that, thinking how cool it was that they had gone through all these experiences together. And they have four years of content to go back and listen to. They said yeah. they cringed when they listened to their first episode. Yeah. <laughs> Which I'm sure we will too. <laughs> how about for just kind of a teaser? Like a, I know that this is going to evolve into whatever it evolves into and for us to sort of whip out the crystal ball, you know, it's always a fool's errand. But if you have, do you have any, what are your ideas for like future episodes in terms of like content or, you know, scenarios, themes, uh, what's, what's uh, rattling around at the top of your head from a brainstorming example? Yeah. I mean, I think the biggest one will be interviewing other people in addition to sharing our experiences. I think being able to summarize some of the highlights of people that we know who have either done really exciting things or traveled a bunch throughout the course of their lives and different successes and failures that they've had. I think that'll be probably one of the biggest kind of exciting things to learn about other people's experiences. Um, And then also sharing, again, our successes and failures. You know, not every trip is 
sunshine and rainbows. There's definitely some rainy days on the road. And I think we've learned a lot. And I think we've had a lot of experiences that we look back on that weren't necessarily successful, but we don't regret having, you know, it's definitely a story to tell. Uh, and I think you definitely learn more from what didn't go right and what you don't want to repeat. Oh, I, I hands down say that even though this is not the plan, I don't want to do episodes of me screwing up, but as you can attest to, I say and do a lot of stupid things and and some folks I guess find it endearing. I I jump right in and I'm I'm on a mission to basically learn all of life life's lessons the hard way. And I think that there's a lot of hilarity that ensues as a result. So I think half of our episodes will consist of the stupid stuff that I've done over the years and the stupid stupid stuff that I'm doing in the moment the silly, ridiculous things that I say. Um, so stay tuned for that. I'm sure it's just, it's within minutes of us saying it right now. In terms of interviewing other folks, I was thinking like we've got some some friends that are actually starting businesses that can help them become, whether it's like uh, nomadic or or basically they've they've got day jobs and they're starting their own businesses that should free them up to be able to, to to seek out adventures and go traveling and basically be a road warrior or something like that. Um, so I'm looking forward to talking to some of those folks. Um, I'd love to, so I, a lot of this is me not knowing what I don't know. And so I just, you know, we've been doing a bunch of research leading up to this and we found out about couch surfing. Apparently it's been around for ever. Um, so I'd love to actually seek out some couch surfers and get their firsthand account or some hosts to find Cause that is, being a New Yorker, super foreign to me, um, opening up my doors to have somebody just chill on my couch in a tiny New York City apartment. Absolutely. Um, scares the bejesus out of me. Yeah. In any other city, that's so much more normal. And here, it's the most foreign thing you've ever heard of. I, I think it's more of a mindset thing or a state of mind. I, I just have a hard time wrapping my head around the concept of opening up my doors. And I, I'm envisioning, you know, a and we'll see. Like I, I've put a little bit of information out there, and I've created the profile, and and we've gone through the initial steps. I even dropped a few bucks to verify that I'm actually a human being, and I have a credit card or something. Um, so we'll see how that goes. There's some meetups I'm looking, you know, that are specific to or hangouts or events. I still have no idea what I'm talking about. Um, so so situations like that. So I, I want to check out or at least record firsthand what my preconceived notions are walking into some of these things right. or, or just highlight how naive I am <laughs> about uh, the world of travel and the, the clever hacks that people have come up with and the different things that we can potentially be exposed to. Um, there's a couple of other websites. I think Remote Year has been blasted all over Instagram, I guess. like mm -hmm. They've been spending a lot on marketing. Um, a friend of ours was actually set up some sort of pre-call which I haven't, so I'm looking forward to finding out how that goes. So a friend of ours just quit his day job, and he's doing, like, day trading and renting out cars and buying buildings or something. Um, but he's thinking about doing a remote year because all he needs is an Internet connection. Um, yeah, and then obviously finding other people who have found love on the road. I want those those romance stories. I feel like, you know, my, my closet... Uh, passion is watching the bachelor with you on monday nights <laughs> i knew it <laughs> begrudgingly no i really do i hate it i hate sitting there um actually this is while you were away 
I think I watched a full episode of Bachelor in Paradise, and I felt super guilty about it, and I, I've been ashamed to admit it. And I cracked a joke during a sales call earlier this week about, I don't even remember, but it was some sort of obscure reference to something that happened on Bachelor in Paradise. Nobody got it. Didn't land well. And I think I was talking to like a bunch of 50 plus year old, you know, partners at a law firm or something like that. Not <laughs> and they're quite like, your ideal audience for no, Bachelor in Paradise. No, I didn't, I didn't think that one through. <laughs> um, so let's, let's move on. I think we have a good sense there. Uh, so we came up with... Uh, keeping wanderlust so why don't you i'd love to hear because we came up with that a while ago i'd love to hear what you remembers the backstory to where that came from i don't remember why we came up with that i feel like we wanted to start again it sort of ties back to traveling and i think it had to do with something along the lines of we wanted to start documenting it and start you know, we have an Instagram page and a blog that we started and we wanted some sort of platform to put pictures and put some of those memories and we needed some sort of a phrase or tagline to tie to it. The and joint Instagram account? Yeah. I yeah. think that was our first joint account. <laughs> yeah. Got a little uh, heckling for that one, but... <laughs> <laughs> As we should. It's pretty early on. Um, but anyway, we needed some sort of a name to tie with it. And we both have the same initials. So I'm Kayla Wilson. He's Chris Wasserman. We're both KW. He's Chris with a K. Uh, so we uh, we had that in common and needed some sort of a name to tie to it. And I wanted to use the you know lettering KW in some way, shape, or form. So that was really the first thing that I went with. I'm big into some sort of underlying meaning, not that it's really that deep at all, but it was just something that we had in common. And then thinking about, you know, additionally what we had in common, traveling was the easiest next place to go. So wanderlust was the easy word, keeping sort of came along with it, and then we it just seemed it, to fit. <laughs> no, I think it's perfect. <laughs> it totally fits though, and I feel like it really describes our desire to not lose the spontaneity and keep alive, you know, our youthfulness and in, in going on these adventures, you know, we don't want to end up that couple sitting on the couch every Friday and Saturday <laughs> night, which would be so easy to do. Um, but no, we keep sort of striving for that next adventure and next place to go. So I think keeping Wanderlust was just very fitting for both of us. Yeah, especially I think it's more apropos these days now that we're because it, it was early on. We were I don't even know if we were living together yet. We had just started traveling and we were looking for, you know, it was just sort of a cutesy thing to do. Let's create a joint Instagram account. And it's not like getting a joint checking account or anything like that. But it was like, oh, look at us. We're a couple. Right? We have a joint Instagram Gag me with a spoon. You guys are <laughs> disgusting. I hate both of you. Um, and it was it was a fun, I mean, I, I think we've fallen off a little bit lately. We haven't really been putting up photos, but um, it was just a fun thing to do together. I mean, mm -hmm. sort of, I think it, it stemmed from us sending songs to each other in the early days on Spotify where we'd put little messages in there um, that were apropos or the song was apropos to something we had just done on a date or something like that. Um, but I couldn't echo what you're saying more. Um, I really think, like I said, it's more, more apropos these days than it probably was then because we are, I personally feel like I'm getting old, that that clock's ticking and that we've, 
effectively checked off all the boxes that, you know, a young professional couple growing up in America is supposed to check off. And I feel like we're one step away from going down that path of the white picket fence, two and a half kids and a dog and, and having, I don't know, life insurance and whatever other stuff. God forbid a car and a driver's license that might come along with it. All right. Let's not get crazy. (laughs) Let's not get crazy. Um, but yeah, I feel that impending adulthood and all I want to do is like grasp on to that adolescence or prolong adolescence for as long as possible and, you know, and, and stave off that the drudgery of the box checking version of adulthood um, and keeping our combined passion for and that that's where we fell in love was was on the road together. And I think keeping that alive is is going to. I think when we got engaged, so never mind the silly, ridiculous speech that I gave you when I actually did get down on one knee, but later that night, I did say that I promise you, you'll never get bored. And I think if we can keep our wanderlust alive and thriving, you'll never get bored and we'll be happy for the rest of our lives together. Yeah. And that's something you've been saying, I think, since we first started dating four years ago. That's been... Never get bored? Yeah. Yeah. And now I've promised to do it for the rest of our lives. Yeah. You better stay alive and popping and (laughs) keep this thing exciting. Well, I'm only a couple of years away from my first, uh, I don't even know what it's called. The the test that you get when you're 40, when you're a dude. Oh, colonoscopy? Yes, that's the one. (laughs) Sorry. One of my adjectives tonight is sleep deprived. (laughs) Way to take this conversation downhill. (laughs) They went from falling in love to one another to colonoscopy. We went there. All right. (laughs) Chapter two. (laughs) Stay tuned for Kayla and Chris. Go to the gyno. (laughs) Um, Moving along, what? How would you? How would you describe the type of traveler you or we are? Like at, at this stage in our lives, like how would you categorize us compared to other types of travelers out there? Good question. So, I would start off by first answering the how would I describe me as a traveler? Because before I met you, I was a very different type of traveler. I was much more calculated. I needed to know that I had a roof over my head in every city that I was going to, and really needed to have more of a plan. Not that I had everything mapped out, but I at least needed to know where I was going to be sleeping every single night while I was there. And, and now you'll just sleep anywhere with anyone? And now or, I'll just, not, I didn't say with anyone. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I'll never forget our first trip to Asia, which was probably our second international trip together. And we, we went all out. It was my first time going to Asia. You had been there a couple of times before. But for me, it was a huge step. It was the furthest I would have been away from home. And you wanted to go at it with the let's wing it approach. You wanted to figure it out while we were there, book a flight there and a flight back. and From a different country. <laughs> from a different country and make it all up as we went along. And at first, I thought you were crazy. I think actually, as I was getting on the plane, I still thought you were crazy. But somehow, I decided to go along with it. For the record, do you think I'm crazy right now? I mean, I you're always a little okay. bit crazy, but... But that was nine crazy, I think, eight crazy? I think you brought me to your level, where okay. now I'll do it too. <laughs> <laughs> so now you're crazy. Yeah, exactly. 
So, no. You I, said it, not me. There's <laughs> not many times a guy can get away with calling his girl crazy. <clears throat> so I was very hesitant to go on this trip, but I agreed to it, probably more so to shut you up and prove you wrong and go back to traveling my way the next time. And we booked a one-way to Taiwan and a one-way back from Shanghai, which in retrospect didn't totally logistically made sense. But at the time, we went with it. And it ended up being one of the best trips and will always go down in history as something I'll never forget. We totally won it the entire way. We, in Taiwan, had a great time spent. Don't ruin. This is future content here. So... So you said one of the best trips. So rattle off the top of your head most memorable destinations or travel locations that you've been to, just so that we can get a sense of sure the footprint that you've got. So Taiwan's up there because it was my first time to Asia, and it's a great city if you haven't been. Um, Nashville, domestic, music city, capital of America, and 87 different flavors of whiskey. Uh, yep. It's like the Crayola crayon box with the sharpener on the back, except it's all whiskey. Which is great. We both love that. I also love country music. And even though Chris doesn't, I think he's willing to listen to it when we're in Nashville. <laughs> it's like he gets in the country spirit. So maybe that's part of the reason I like it no, so there's much. There's enough places that have more of a rock, like if country subletted or if country is a byproduct of rock or if rock is a byproduct of country, there's enough of decent rock music coming out of there. It's not all country all the time. Yeah, it's it's country. So it's fine. It's just like the uh, Bachelor in Paradise isn't Bachelor. I agree to disagree. <laughs> so um, you said Nashville, Taiwan. Yeah. Let's just rattle them off. Right? Uh, yeah. St. Lucia. Ooh, Shanghai was awesome. Uh, definitely Thailand. Would absolutely go back in a heartbeat. Um, Iceland. Probably number one. One of my favorites. Wow. Everybody has to go there. Can't say enough good things about it. Uh, and then where are we Why, going? So, so top thing in Iceland. One thing that stands out as the coolest, number one reason anyone should go. Northern Lights. Fair. All right. Probably number one. Fair. But the, just the crazy. Dumb question. Yeah. The, the crazy <laughs> landscape, though. It's like nothing you've ever seen before. You feel Walking like on you're Mars. on a different planet. Uh, Paris. Yeah, I'm looking at, I've got a short list here. What's on yours? So I've I've got a lot of the same ones you do. So Thailand, Iceland, Nashville, Paris, and then I have um, Kuala Lumpur, Boston. I've had so much fun with you in Boston every time I go. And when I go back for work, I have, I just love that city. Yep. If I had to pick another city in the United States that I would live, being born bred, you know, New Yorker. Boston would be an easy fit. You'd pick the one three hours away from where you grew up. That is quite adventurous of you. Don't stop me now. Um, <clears throat> what else? Uh, Seattle. I wrote Seattle slash Woodenville. Yes. So I almost, I think I'd take Woodenville over Seattle. Um, Vancouver. So some of these I, I haven't been with you. Uh, Vancouver, Tijuana, Philippines are the ones. Yeah, those are the three. That w- those were before Kayla. BK. So just some BKW. <laughs> BK dubs. Before Keeping Wanderlust. Maybe we set the stage a little bit. So you said before I met you. 
right? Or a few seconds ago. So maybe go back to just prior to the beginning of our relationship, getting to know one another, and we'll sort of take it from there. So you're not a native New Yorker. Correct. I am from Santa Monica, California, and I moved out to the East Coast when I went to college at the University of Rhode Island, where I lived for four years. And I moved to New York after the summer, right after graduating. So I stayed for a few months right after graduation. And at the end of that summer, well, at the beginning of the summer, I had every intention of going back to California at the end. And then about halfway through, I realized I just wasn't ready to go home yet. And unfortunately for my parents, and I still feel guilty about this, but I still haven't <laughs> gone back yet. I think one day uh, I'll get closer. But so what, what year was it? That was 20... So that was 2012. 12. Yeah. Okay. So I moved to New York September 15th of 2012, and I'm actually 10 days away from my six-year anniversary now. Shut up. Yep. So we got to celebrate, get another nice bottle of champagne that night. This is sparkling wine, I think. You're right. Prosecco. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe we'll take it a step up. (laughs) Um, But I, we can go into the details later. It's kind of a long story. But I ended up moving here because I didn't really have a plan. I wasn't ready to go home yet. And I wanted to experience something new, you know, being fresh out of college, out on my own. I didn't have any, luckily, any uh, student loans, any college debt. I had a scholarship for volleyball in college. So I was very fortunate in that sense to not really have any risk or responsibilities and sort of just figured that I would figure it out, which luckily... After a couple of tough months, <laughs> maybe a year, uh, it worked out in the end and ended up being one of the best decisions I ever made to randomly move to New York City. And so you so you spent the summer in Rhode Island just working, yep. I'm guessing. Yeah. I worked at a restaurant. It was one of the best summers of my life. I recommend everybody work in food and beverage at some point <laughs> in their life. <laughs> It's that much fun. (laughs) There's some brutal times. You obviously have the horror stories of spilling clam chowder on somebody or forgetting the ketchup and, you know, having an uproar at the table. But for the most part, you're best friends with everybody you're working with. You end up drinking after or sometimes during work. And you're always I mean, I was at a beachfront restaurant, so you're always at the beach and it was just the life. Absolutely. So how do you leave that and how did New York become the destination? I mean, it it sounds like or feels like you just threw a dart or what was the what was the catalyst? Yeah, um, I was actually, I guess if I had made the decision on my own, I think the easiest next step would have been attempting to move to Boston because I was only 45 minutes away. I knew people there and it was so just who did very you know accessible. In New York? So one of my best friends from home who went to school at George Washington in D.C. randomly texted me. I love how you reference home, like everybody listening. From from Los Angeles, (laughs) from Santa Monica. uh, Texted me one day in the middle of the summer. You still call it home. You've been living in New York City for six years and you still call Santa Monica home. New York will always be your home, regardless of where you move to. Um, Anyway, so a friend from Santa Monica texted me and so this is someone else who went to college or you graduated with at the same time graduated high, yeah right. we graduated That's college right. the same year yeah. anyway neither of us had a plan for the end of the summer and she came up with the bright idea to move to new york city 
And I, without hesitation, said, I'm up for it. Let's do it. She didn't believe me. She thought she had to convince me a little bit harder and found out very quickly that I was dead serious. So there was a time in your life when you didn't need a plan. Exactly. And you just, so where did you land in New York City? Landed in Jackson Heights, Queens. Of course you did. Which, if you've been there, if you've seen the movie Coming to America, you basically lived it. (laughs) (laughs) It's the most diverse place, definitely in New York, I think. I'd say Queens is hands down. Queens is the melting pot for sure. I'd say it's definitely a toss salad, if nothing else. So, when moving to New York, it almost felt like moving to a different country in the best way possible. And she and I moved into this apartment in Jackson Heights. And ended up being the only tall, white, blonde people <laughs> in at least a ten block file, radius, five mile at radius least. in every direction. <laughs> in every direction. I mean, everybody stared at us on the streets. Like we were, we were the minorities. It's like we were the ones that didn't fit in. It was such a, it was such a great experience. Honestly, that's we why I say mixed it. salad because I think New York City gets, or they call it the melting pot, but there isn't much. Like when I think melting, I'm thinking like government cheese melts down for you, right? There's, there's not a whole lot of commingling. You've still got neighborhoods and in these pockets of, you know, the same ethnicity all sort of congregating in the same five to ten block radius and Jackson Heights is still while that's while unfortunately New York City is getting extremely gentrified especially in and around Manhattan or on the outskirts of the waterfront mm-hmm. um, Jackson Heights is one of the few neighborhoods that still exists or I say Queens is probably one of the last few safe havens for if you don't speak English you can find a neighborhood in Queens where you can feel at home and you can actually order breakfast and and get directions to the nearest post office or or maintain your day-to-day. But I would say you probably had access to some really good Colombian food Mm -hmm. while you were there, maybe some Indian food. So I lived in two neighborhoods while I was there. The first one, only two months, um, but was basically Little India. They're... I mean, every single restaurant, every single clothing shop, you thought you were in India itself. It was wild. And then the second... This is a bit of a tangent here. I mean, have you had much exposure to not even good Indian food, but just Indian food in general prior to that experience? I had definitely dabbled yeah all right so there's like an actually and there's an actual indian this shows how this is might be one of those moments where i'm saying just really stupid stuff (laughs) to show off how naive i am i'm just thinking rhode island and i've only been there a handful of times i wouldn't even i could count on less than one hand and i would not expect more than one indian restaurant let's say in the newport area of rhode island or providence so is it something i would agree with that but you forget that i'm from la which actually I think is like one of the most diverse cities in America. I would call L.A. the melting pot. Yeah. Yeah. More so than New York. I feel like New York is definitely a bit more segregated. I actually looked it up recently and L.A. was the first thing that came up every time I looked for the most diverse place in the States, which I was a little bit, I wouldn't have guessed, but plus one for thinking L.A. about it makes sense. I still have horrible <laughs> traffic. <laughs> Anyway, so the first place that I lived was all Indian everything. And then the second neighborhood was so funny. I only moved 10 blocks away from the original apartment. 
And I basically moved to Little Columbia. It was a totally different group of people. I was shocked at the fact that I was so close to my first apartment, but, you know, didn't see a single Indian person on the street walking around. It was just a, it was, again, I was in a different country. Crazy, crazy experience. And so, so great to totally immerse ourselves. And we both absolutely adjusted and went with it and always felt at home and safe and never out of place even though we how much of that out. would you chalk up to being naive and just headstrong versus would you would you let if you had an 18 year old daughter would you let her live in jackson heights today absolutely okay absolutely mm-hmm. yeah very safe cool yeah, yeah. no i hey i best of rape in town is in jackson <laughs> heights. um what about you what's your story what of finding my way to new york so i grew up here um so I don't have I, I know that this first episode is a bit of a love story to New York. We live here. This is this is where we travel from the home base. Um, and I've bounced around shortly. I did something similar. So you were living in L.A. and you moved to the East Coast. I was living in New York. And as soon as I graduated high school, I did the same exact thing. I got as far away from home as I could, drove across the country, took a zigzagging three month route by way of Miami to El Paso up to Cortez, Colorado, and then eventually down to L.A. And then I lived in L.A. for a few years before that fizzled out. I started working sort of on the road, living out of a suitcase, doing door-to-door sales for a number of years and had an absolute blast doing it. That's where some of the Tijuana trips come in. 19 years old, I can't get into any bars in L.A., so... Or actually, I think I was living and working in San Diego, and I couldn't get into any of the bars, and all my friends were older. So um, someone came up with a great idea. Let's go down to Tijuana. So this is like early 2000s when it was actually, you know, just kids would come down from, take the train down from Fresno to party in in Tijuana on the weekend. But it was a way that I can drink with my buddies. Um, but then eventually found my way back to New York, and I've been here ever since. And it's it's been a, a mixed bag of bouncing from apartment to apartment, from roommate situation to roommate situation every year from, I'd say, shit, 2003 or four till the date you and I moved in together about two years ago, a little over, I guess. Mm-hmm. It was April or so. That, that, that word was April. Didn't come out that way. The Prosecco's kicking in. How are we doing on that bottle? Is there, I can't, it's such a dark bottle. It is a dark bottle. We didn't do a good job of painting a picture of what what we're drinking. Yeah, but. it is. It's definitely almost empty. Okay. Granted, champagne is not hard to finish. It's half bubbles. Half bubbles. Yeah, it's an illusion. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, so my side, I've done Hoboken, Jersey City, a couple spots in Queens now. This is, you know, Long Island City is, is basically Manhattan light. Um, I've done Manhattan, which if you're a born bred New Yorker, unless you've grown up in Manhattan, I feel like people who move here. So I've had buddies that moved to New York from, let's say London or from, you know, California, other parts of the world. The first thing. So like you, you moved Mm -hmm. straight. So you did, you, you're, you're probably a rare, Yeah. but you moved very quickly. So how long were you in Queens? You eventually shot straight from Manhattan and that's sort of the point I'm making. I was there for six months. Right. So I wouldn't say straight to Queens, but I or straight to Manhattan. But yeah, it was I mean, Queens was not my first choice and the whole river in between situation made no <laughs> sense to me. 
I did not understand why I would live a water's length away from where I needed to be. The thought of going underwater to get into the city every day was just mind boggling to me. I remember because the reason we moved there is because we sublet an apartment for probably $400 a person, which is unheard of anywhere in New York. And compound that. So wait, so this is... 2012 13 it was somebody that we knew this was not something that you but would still find. you found um was it a two bedroom technically two bedroom i would argue the second bedroom was actually a, a large closet <laughs> there was somehow a bed and only a bed in it <laughs> so for so, so 800 bucks we'll a call month it one and a half bedrooms <laughs> yeah so is it bigger than the place we live in now the apartment itself, maybe square footage wise, was about then probably a little bit smaller. Probably a little bit smaller. But eight hundred bucks a month. Yeah. So my first apartment in Hoboken, after I got out of like I lived in Ozone Park, which is an absolute shithole, um, in a basement apartment, which was scary. But my first apartment in Hoboken was, I want to say sixteen hundred bucks a month, and that was split between me and a buddy, mm-hmm. and we. We would get paid twice a month, and that first paycheck of the month, the entire thing went to rent. So you're broke yeah. basically 28 days out of the month, and then you finally get a paycheck, and you're like, I have drinking money, and so you go out drinking, and then you spend all your money, and then you're broke until you get past the rent check. But uh, yeah, damn, 800 bucks a month. It'd yeah. be hard. That's that's pretty good. So I found that place. It was like 2004, 2005. We were paying 1600 bucks a month. And there was a two-bedroom. Again, one bedroom was a decent-sized bedroom. The other one was a, a closet. Should have been an office. Yeah, so again, this was we. my friend that I moved in with. She knew somebody whose aunt and uncle, I believe it was, were going to California. I think they were actors. And they had some stint in California together for about two and a half months. And so that was the first place you landed. That was the first place we stayed. So we sublet their apartment, which at the time, I feel like Airbnb wasn't really a thing. And to be honest, I think it was a win-win for both of us. They had people to stay. They got some sort of income. We didn't nearly make up what the rent was. It was absolutely okay. discounted. You got a deal. Oh, absolutely. It was so unreal. And then the second apartment that I moved into in Jackson Heights was $1,400 a month. And that was actually a one bedroom. It was still a good size space, like a solid kitchen, solid living room, even what could And when be you argued. moved, you guys moved together? Yeah. And then yes. eventually you found your way to Manhattan. So that was the point I was making before is that most yep. people that move here from out of town, the first thing they do is go to Manhattan. And after they live here for a year or two, then they realize that they can get a pretty serious bang for their buck by getting out, out of, of Manhattan. Manhattan yeah absolutely we uh we first well we were looking for apartments at that time we really wanted to move into Manhattan and the responsible side of us said no let's <laughs> sing we still don't have jobs how are we gonna <laughs> lock ourselves into an annual lease so we stayed in Queens you didn't have jobs no this was out on the lamb totally taking every day as it came figuring it out along the way all right, so that's there's a huge story underneath that one. I don't know how you live in New York City without a job. I'm going to fast forward. So I've got this book in my hand, um, 100 Things to Do in New York City Before You Die. And there's a bunch of uh, 
partial post-it notes here. So let's fast forward to how we got to this book and the significance of this. So we started dating in May of 2014, I believe. And his birthday is in June. And there's nothing worse than dating somebody, being super early in, and not knowing totally what your status is, not knowing how serious the other person is, and not wanting to scare them. But also, having their birthday come up one month after dating, you want to show some sort of sentiment. You want to, you know, be sweet with what you give them, but don't want to, you know, do too much. So I was left with this terrible debacle of having no idea what to get him. And luckily, I passed a bookstore, like, preemptively before his birthday, and I passed this Wait, book. night of? Night of? You... I didn't say night of. I said before his birthday. <laughs> Might have been night of. Sometimes I'm a little last minute. Yeah. So we're, what, 40, 45 days into dating when my birthday hits? Very, very early in. Yeah. So incredibly stressed out. Have no idea what to get him. Pass this bookstore and see this book, 100 Things to Do in New York City Before You Die. And I instantly thought back to, or actually I started flipping through it and as I was flipping through the pages, realized that even though we'd only been together for, say, 45 days, we'd already done so many of the things in the book. Yeah, I think looking back, I, I'd say we packed in six months of dating inside of the first 30, 45 days of knowing each other. Yep. It was pretty hot and heavy. And I would say that's one of the cool things about dating in New York is there is so much to do here. So every date is a new, creative, exciting opportunity to do something totally different. And you can always find something that the other person hasn't done. There's nobody in New York City that's done everything in New York City. So I think one of the coolest things about <laughs> dating is everything, you know, every date could be a new experience for both of us, for one of us. Um, and so anyway, flipping through the book, I was so inspired by the fact that there were a hundred things to do in New York and... Being together 45 days, we'd already done so many that... Every other page you flipped to, there was like, oh, we've done that. Yeah, that oh, how hard there. how hard would it be to conquer all of them in a couple of months? And, you know... We were getting after Call it. it. Yeah. <laughs> Nailed it. New York, done. <laughs> done. <laughs> so, anyway, I got very cute and I started tagging all of the pages and I basically tagged everything that we had done and tagged everything that we hadn't done but that I wanted to do. So this is just for those that don't have a spy cam looking into Wanderlust Studios um, watching us in real time. This is a $16 paperback maybe a half an inch thick right and the size of one large male hand <laughs> size 13 shoe if that paints a picture well no my my foot oh it's about right yeah <laughs> so if you have a size 13 shoe this is this is about the the length of the book from from top to bottom um all of a hundred and some odd 144 pages and essentially every page page and a half no it's it's one page and there's about a paragraph and it's got Let's just, you know, jump to the table of contents here and rattle off the first two or three. Cruise past the Statue of Liberty, hit MoMA's garden, garden party, attend the U.S. Open, 
explore the northwest area of Central Park, have a drink at the Marriott Marquis in Times Square, listen to live jazz in the Greenwich Village, shop at Bergdorf... Bergdorf Goodman. Bergdorf. We haven't done that yet. I'm, I'm guessing that's super expensive. Walk across the Brooklyn Bridge. Give $20 to street performers. Visit the National 9-11 Memorial Museum. So what you did was, it looks like you took a traditional like post-it note and cut it with scissors. No, so no. You, no? <laughs> these, were, these were just thin post-it notes. Okay. Notes that you tag. I was gonna say you were very, very precise. Good. It like there's. I don't know why I corrected you. Yes, <laughs> I hand cut every page's note. <laughs> so it's like, this is if you cut into these are very perfect. Yeah. If you stack them up next to each other, so there's pink tabs sticking out, right? And they're obviously getting a little bit worn now. This book's about four years old. Pink tabs sticking out for all those are the places we, or the things that we have done. Yeah. All right, so the ones that we've already conquered, and the blue ones are the ones we want to do together. So I'm going to hand you this book, and I don't need you to run. We don't need to put everyone to sleep, but I do think that there's some good... So this is the early days of us dating, so if you're looking for a way to get to know somebody and you want to... I mean, this is what solidified the early days of us getting together, and we had so much fun. I mean, anyone that remembers the early days of their relationship was definitely hot and heavy in the early goings and we went out of our way to just constantly seek out adventures with one another and this is before we even knew that the we had this wanderlust bug growing inside of us so hit hit a couple of the pink ones the Mm -hmm. things that we have done i'm curious because it's been i haven't looked at this book in four years you don't look at my gifts regularly we're doing it right now. Offended. All right. This? So one of the ones that is So easy. hold on. I, I just want to hit oh. a sidebar because we're out of Prosecco. Oh, my God. The suspense might kill them, though. Right. And I went and grabbed. So this is phase two of the show where we open up the second Yay! bottle of wine. A Casal di Ventozello Vino Verde Espadero which probably means this is not Italian. I'm going to guess Portuguese. Ooh, I like that. I'll go with it. Yeah, I'll take Portuguese. Um, and I'm guessing this is a rosé. So, here, hey, look, little description on the back. So, Casal de Ventazelo Rosé. Rosé is a wine made exclusive, exclusively from Espadero, a traditional grape variety native to the Vino Verde region. I think verde means green. It, it does. At least in Spanish. I don't know. I don't even know if this is Portuguese. The grapes are fermented after total destemming, followed by a skin maceration at controlled temperatures. After fermentation, the wine ages in a stainless steel tank on the fine lees. L e e s. I don't even know what that is. Which enriches the flavors and creates more complexity. This wine is a clean, brilliant, rose color. Very fresh and fruity with hints of raspberries and wild strawberries. Well balanced between the vibrant fruit and mineral notes with a persistent finish. This wine shows its best when enjoyed with a range of light dishes as an aperitif. Stay tuned for Chris Wasserman <laughs> audiobooks. <laughs> 
That was for our future potential sponsors. <laughs> and that was a that was a cold reading. So, but oh, the, the funny you didn't part, practice that? I did not practice that. Oh, wow. That. I couldn't tell. I got to get my accents down. We still didn't even find out if it actually is Portuguese. I'm just like, mate, oh, product of Portugal. Nailed it. All right. I think we're on a roll. So, in the spirit of stupid things that I do, uh-huh, right? I uh-huh. went to the fridge while you were talking. Nobody saw that. It's the magic of radio. And grabbed the bottle, put it in my hand, and instantly went to the drawer and grabbed the corky screw, <laughs> only to come back, sit down, and find out it's a twist off. It's funny as I saw you come back with that. I saw the twist off, and I was a little bit confused. <laughs> also, this is an epic night because since we've been together, the amount of times that you have drank champagne and or rosé, I could Paris probably ruined count. Me. Yeah. Paris ruined me. Paris aside, I could probably count on one hand. Well, it's very, so it's hotter than sin in New York in August, and it's been miserable, absolutely miserable, and I'm sitting here lobster red from head to toe. Last night, I think if, like, if there was like a, if you had like thermo goggles and you looked at our apartment, you'd see the space heater sitting over there and then me, and I'd be glowing redder, I'd be glowing white because of how sunburnt I am. Yeah. After my one visit to the beach this summer. That white shirt is doing wonders on your sunburn. I'm sure it is. Anyway, so back to... So yes, I'm drinking rosé. Paris ruined me. I've been drinking it ever since we've been there. But rosé and champagne, especially ice cold. I don't like white wine. Mm-hmm. But I can drink this stuff in the summer. Otherwise, he sticks to red wine and whiskey. Those are his go-tos explicitly bourbon mm-hmm. i'm it's, sorry it's often it's 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 a rare occurrence it's only when i go somewhere and they don't have bourbon there's a handful of places in the world that don't serve bourbon because mm-hmm. the import duties are, are rather high anyway so you've got a couple of pink tabs there that you've you've clearly got your finger sticking into so what's what's the ones that you flip to so the easiest one is there's several trains in New York City, probably 20 different lines or more you can take. And when we started dating, I was living in Manhattan and he was living in Queens. And I would take the seven train to get to him. And in this book, the only train that's mentioned, uh, there's a whole page dedicated to is take the seven train. That's one of the 100 things you have to do in New York City before you die. Is take the seven train? Take the seven train, which to be honest, I would argue is one of the 100 things you should do when you're going to die because it's so miserable in the morning. (laughs) 101 ways to die in New York. Take the seven train from Flushing all the way to Times Square. There's no worse worse experience than commuting from Queens into Manhattan during rush hour. Oh, stop. You don't even know the worst of it. So you're going from Long Island City to Manhattan, which is is three stops. It's one miserable stop, all right? The hardest part is getting on the train because there are already a million people on the train by the time it gets to us. So there was a time in my life when I was working near FIT on 28th Street. And I was living in Auburndale, Queens, which good luck finding that one. Right? I don't think anyone's heard of it. But it's, it's basically 
It's in the Bayside Flushing area. And I had to take a bus to Flushing to catch the 7 train at the the origination stop and take it all the way in to Times Square to switch to the 123 train to get down to 28th Street near Did Penn you have Station. a seat on the train? Never had a seat on the train. It would be an hour and a half to a two and a half hour commute every single day. A bus to a subway to another subway and then on foot to get over to 28th Street and 7th Avenue. It's like three, four blocks from Penn Station. All right. That's brutal. Absolutely. One day, and this is when I stopped taking the subway and I finally figured out that the Long Island Railroad gets me point to point in like 20 minutes. One day... We're underground, so we're going under the Hudson River, and something happens, and we stop underground, and they turn the power off. And we're like sardines. We're shoulder to shoulder because this is the last stop before we get into Manhattan. And, of course, we're underground. Power goes out. The emergency lights go on. Best part is is the air conditioning gets turned off. So we actually crack the windows in the subway, which – doesn't do any it's not like opening up the window in your apartment oh where you gosh. can lift it wide up and it's so it's just like a little flap like an old 66 mustang the little mini window at the front where you just push it open it doesn't do anything and you're underground in a tunnel it's a thousand degrees everyone starts sweating their brains out and everything that i drank last night is now emanating through my pores so i'm sure i smelled lovely and we all walked off that train about and we were underground for a half hour and when we walked off that train, I think we hated humanity with a passion wow. just because there's no way to get through. And that's hardcore. New York. So that was the last time I took the seven train, the bus to the seven to the one in order to get to work. And I forked up the $56 a month for the Long Island Railroad monthly pass, which back then, like nowadays, I think it's $180 yeah, it's for the same. Yeah, it's way more than yeah. that. So inflation. Anyway, rabbit hole. Well, that's an experience I hope to never have. <laughs> so one of the things to do together, so the first one you jump to is the seven train, and it's hands down. It still stands out as one of the most miserable. And obviously, we take it to work every day, but we take yeah. it one stop now. Yeah. Um, but hands down, one of the most miserable experiences that stands out in my mind of living in New York City. And to be fair, the reason that it's on the list is because once you get into Queens, you're above ground and you're traveling through one of the probably most interesting boroughs of New York City. And I've heard that it's more iconic for a lot of different reasons. And I think I'm just really proud because I now take the 7 train all the time. And even before we started dating, it, it goes cross town. It goes from Times Square to Midtown. There's not many cross town trains. It's just very unique. Um, and it's the first subway stop. They added a, a stop in Hudson Yards. It's the first new stop or the first line with a new stop in over 25 years. So, you know, new, you know, advancements being made there. <laughs> really exciting things in happening last in New York. 30 years, the one update to the infrastructure that gets that that funnels millions of people from point A to point B, all we've done. So this is like in my lifetime. Well, we've since added now the queue in the Upper East Side, which is also even more monumental. Yeah. So that's, uh, so if there's the top three moments that are probably the most miserable New York moments is one, that seven train experience. Two, I happened to be living on the Upper East Side while they were building that Second Avenue train. 
I think a lot of people did because it took over 10 years. Oh, it was miserable. <laughs> miserable. So take the seven train. That's the one we're going with. That's, uh, <laughs> well, I don't think that's going to be on the list after this podcast. But uh. but it, but it's so that's something that that we've done together. Obviously, that's and, how we would get. And it was cute. Not that we done together, but that's how I got to you when we started dating and for the first two years. And now we live together off the seven train. So it definitely stands out for both of us. Um, one of the next ones that's on the list and probably the most important is uh, Walk Over the Brooklyn Bridge, which is definitely one of the best dates that we've been on together. Um, there was one day where uh, I think we, we definitely set out to walk over the Brooklyn Bridge, which is only a mile or even maybe less. It's, it's about a mile. less than a mile. Yeah, it's yeah. probably less than a mile. But, you know, from start to finish, getting off the subway and all that. Um, and for whatever reason, we met up that morning and it, you had never done it before. I had, and that was the significance is that I had never walked again, growing up in New York and it wasn't so much growing up in New York. It's that since living within, you know, vicinity of New York and more so in 2012, I went on this weird, uh, Christopher Walken campaign is what I called it, where, I stopped eating carbs and wanted to lose a bunch of weight and got into the easiest way to lose the weight was to not eat carbs and just do a ton of walking. I can't run. I'll never run unless there's like a donut racing downhill or an ice cream truck getting away from me. But I had walked over just about every bridge you could walk over in New York City and I was saving the Brooklyn Bridge. Right? I didn't want to, and and it had more to do with um, I was in love with the history of the Brooklyn Bridge. It was the first bridge connecting Manhattan to one of the boroughs. There's just an awesome story behind it. Yep. Um, I still to this day watch the Ken Burns documentary. I think <laughs> one of the first times I slept over, you made me watch the documentary and and definitely put me to sleep within 10 minutes. Yeah, you. I wouldn't say you watched it. So, And, and I don't think you've seen it start to finish to this day. And I, I still throw it on from time to time. So anyway, that was on the list. Um, but he had never done it before. We... But that was a out. big day. Right? Well, we that was... set out to walk over the bridge. And for whatever reason, you know, you met me at my apartment. I lived on in, in Midtown East and we planned. We didn't have a plan in the morning. And I think when you got to my apartment, we came up with the idea of walking to the bridge from my apartment. And we were like, it's not that far. We'll make a day out of it. Let's not take the subway down there. And if you haven't been here, I mean, it's a good couple of miles down there like it's a hike to get from midtown east down to the start of the brooklyn bridge i want to say at least two and a half miles if i had to guess (laughs) if there's people who do a lot of hiking that are listening to the show they're like these sorry sons of well it's but it's not like you live in new york and you say let's go for a hike you know it's a very urban area that you sort of get where you need to go and, you know, maybe you explore a neighborhood, but it's not like. You so how many stops the on the, the subway is it from your from where you lived, from your apartment down to Brooklyn Bridge? On, I think the, on the local train? Yeah, like on the six train. At least 10 to 15. 10 to 15 stops. To yeah. get All right. So, yeah, it's definitely more than two and a half yeah. miles. So I think every I think the general rule of thumb is every 20 streets. Yeah. Is, is a considered a mile. And this is Brooklyn Bridge is where the streets start having names. So. Well below where they start, yeah. <laughs> and uh, so it's you were in the 40s, yeah. so it's easily two miles just to get down to Houston, yeah, Houston yeah. or Canal, whatever the first. So anyway, so that was a hike, and we committed to it, and we walked 
down there. And I think it was on the way we passed, gosh, I forget exactly, but I think we passed the Manhattan Bridge. And I came up with, I would assume it was me just because I've done the Brooklyn Bridge. And when you're walking over the bridge, if you start from Manhattan, you're walking away from the skyline. So it's better to walk towards the skyline. So I can't remember which direction we walked, but it was either we walked over the Brooklyn Bridge going the other way or we walked over the Manhattan Bridge and we came back towards Manhattan on the Brooklyn Bridge. Clearly a memorable moment. (laughs) But I know, I think the bigger thing was because we had a Fitbit or one of the phones that like tracked what you were doing that day or something like that. And it was sort of the date that we were going on was let's walk the Brooklyn bridge. And this was a pivotal moment because it was like that, that fancy bottle of wine that I was saving for a special occasion. And now I'm finally going to walk over the Brooklyn bridge and I'm doing it with you. So this was again, still early. I think this was one of our early dates and it ended up being, just a walk through New York City. And so, yeah, we walked from your apartment in the 40s on the east side all the way down to one of the bridges. I can't remember either. Um, I want to say we walked from Manhattan to Brooklyn over the Brooklyn Bridge and then came back across the Manhattan Bridge. Yeah. Right, because they're like right next to each other. They're really close to each other. And then we get over the bridge and for some reason... I mean, we were just having such a good time just talking to each other. Yeah. Like, I feel like we've learned, we learned so, so I guess the tip to our dozen listeners at home is to go for a walk. That's a hot date. <laughs> it was definitely hot. We were drip sweating very early on. Um, so we, so we came back, we'll say, over the Manhattan Bridge. And then once we got to the other side, we didn't, I think we just both didn't want the day to end, which was the coolest part. So we walked up the waterfront along the east side all the way to 59th Street. And then we said, well, we've already done two bridges. Let's just do a third and end up back at your place in Long Island City. So we walked back over the Queensboro Bridge, uh, which was my first time doing that bridge. So we both had a couple firsts in there. And that one's pretty cool because you get to see that tram that goes from Roosevelt Island into Manhattan from that bridge. And you get the view looking south down the East River of Manhattan. Very different viewpoint. Absolutely. And we ended up covering 14 miles in that one day, which now if you're a hiker and you do a lot of exercise, please tell me that 14 miles is a lot (laughs) to cover in one day. Our feet were definitely sore. I think I had multiple blisters. Well, you were wearing like, you weren't, you, neither one of us, I don't think were wearing shoes that were designed to man, you know, maintain a, or sustain a 14 mile walk over blacktop. Right. Right. And it, and again, I think it was the, so this is before my birthday. So it was between May and June. So it's definitely in May. Yeah. Yeah. Early on. So the three bridge tour, hot date number two. <laughs> what else? So hit me with one more pink one. And then I want to, I'm curious if there's, if we've made any progress. Cause you've got easily three. Oh, there's a little note in the front of the book that you wrote for me. Is that too personal or can you share that? I just talk about how I love exploring the city with you and that I can't wait for more adventures to come. Which, that's all it says? I mean, that's all I'm sharing. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so those were those were great. The other one that I love is Walk the High Line. This is one of my favorite things to do in New York, which unfortunately now is not 
the world's best kept secret and a lot of people know about it. But I remember when I first learned about it, it was something that I don't think was super popular uh, in the city and has ever since. Well, it was still being built, right? Yeah, so it wasn't finished yet. So you can only go so far and then you hit a certain spot and it's nothing but construction. So we, I don't even remember when we did it. I do. That's when I met your friend that you worked with. Okay. For the first time. Our our friends over at Home Sweet Hudson. Okay. They'll be on future episodes. They will. So looking <laughs> forward to that. Um, but that's when I met, that's when I met your friend. Yep. Who is living with him now. And the two of them own that business together yep. and run that business together. But that was the first time I met her. Yeah. Was that walk over the high line. And I think we sat and we started drinking wine together. Yeah. And she's a bit of a wine aficionado. We got to have both of them on. Yes. That's got to happen soon. Absolutely. So, so hit me with one of the blue ones. So we did the high line. We did the, obviously the seven train <laughs> highlights, but we haven't. So we, the whole idea was the blue, the little blue sticky notes that are sticking out are all the things that we're yet to conquer in New York together. And we were very ambitious about getting after it this this was basically the most thoughtful gift i had ever received like she's right what do you what do you get someone who you've only been dating for a month it's a significant day i don't remember how old i was turning but um it wasn't necessarily one of those milestone birthdays but you know if you go too big you could scare off you know the the person that you're courting if you go too little then you could instantly damage the relationship um and if you do something that's like impersonal, there's so many ways to screw up a gift, all these unspoken rules. There's so many ways to screw up that gift. What do you get the person that you've only been dating for a month, but you've actually squeezed in six months worth of dating inside of 40 days? And you went and found this, you know, what would otherwise be a rag from, you know, an end cap in a tourist trap shop in Times Square and you turned it into hands down one of the most thoughtful gifts I've ever received in my entire life that just chronicles some of the really awesome things that we've done together. There's little handwritten notes on the pages. There's concert tickets in there and and there's screenshots of the maps from some of the walks that we took. Yeah, we took I a fair amount of walks. I don't even remember doing all of this, but looking back, <laughs> I'm like, I can't believe I cut out those pictures. <laughs> Babe, you used to show up when in the right, early days. Right. You used I don't to know. bring your A game. I don't know what game I'm bringing today, but uh, <laughs> anyway, so some of the things that we had not done yet, um, starting off with the first one that stood out is see a quality Broadway show. We had not yet been to a Broadway show, and we've now been to a couple. Oh, this is cool. So I almost want to run through all the... You have so many blue sticky notes in there. Now, there's a few. We'll go through like three. Okay. but these So these are ones that we hadn't done at the time. So right. this is four years ago, and you yeah. found a few that, that we've actually done since. Yeah. So which... I'm trying to think which Broadway shows we've seen. So we just saw Hello, Dolly. Right. That one I can remember because it happened like... Within the last 30 days, but what else? I don't even know what else we've seen. We went to see Miss Saigon. Oh, it was terrible. Yeah, he, it's not terrible. He didn't love it. The The best part was the helicopter on the stage. Yeah. Everything else, snooze. I think it was falling asleep in the theater. The music wasn't entertaining. I, I, I don't know. I'm the, I'm the one that fell asleep. I was just very wow. tired that day. <laughs> yeah. 
Um, Hello Dolly was amazing yeah. though. We're not big Fabulous. theater buffs. I mean, we well, don't. We definitely don't take advantage of. Like, that's the city something I feel like I had to convince you to do with me. But there's been a. I feel like there's been a couple that we've been to together that you've been really inspired by. So Hello Dolly was one of them. That was well because it was uh, Bernadette. Yeah, and she was fabulous. Really, really, really funny performance. She broke character a lot, though. Yeah, it's a big no-no if you're like a. That was great. If you're a hoity-toity theater, so great. But um, and then I feel like there's another one. Uh, we went to see a holiday show off Broadway. I made him go see, but he loved it. It's fine. We had a great night. It was a fun night out. Vodka room after. That's fine. Yeah. That was a lot of Recommendation. Russian vodka room <laughs> off of Times Square. Um, there may be a couple others. Those are the ones that stand out. But it the was- nights where I get to drink a shit ton are the ones that, if you ever want to put a cherry on top of a uh, holiday, Christmas, they, oh, save that for another episode. Fun night out. Anyway, uh, so that's one Wanna of them. Be B-list celebrity from The Bachelor six seasons ago came out every 19 minutes or so and introduced a song. And that's why we paid God only knows how much to go see this we ridiculous. Like $20 ticket. Danny Aiello. We'll survive. I don't even know who he, the guy, the Jer, Danny Geriatric Aiello. I have no idea. So one of the other things that's tagged in the book. It's like arthritis on ice. Is scarfs and pork after midnight, and I'm not a big <laughs> pork person. I just I don't like eating pigs. I think they're very intelligent animals, and it's just not my favorite type of meat to eat. However, the good piece of bacon once in a while I'll enjoy. So <laughs> you know it is what it is. But uh, but the restaurant is if Momo- it's replacing a straw in a Bloody Mary. The restaurant recommended in the book is Momofuku, which we've definitely been to several times. Both huge fans of David Chang, not only his restaurants, but also the shows that he's been on. I've listened to several podcast episodes, and that's something that at the time I work for. It's He's not a New Yorker either, is he? Like originally, I feel like he's not from here, but he has become the quintessential. He's such a no-nonsense. No. His fam- I mean, yourself. his family's definitely outside the city now. I'm not sure where he was raised, but he's an awesome personality. Of course. And so entertaining yeah. to watch. And the food's phenomenal. So definitely something. And the cookbook. So, I fi- so <sighs> one of the most... I love to cook, and his recipes are near impossible. I think I found one dish in his cookbook that I was able to pull off, and it was not just passable, but to this day, it's one of my go-to dishes. And it's just—I think it's just chick- chicken and rice, like a chicken and rice it bowl. It is but- chicken. And- it is the longest cooked-up chicken and rice. I think it takes at least four hours minimum. You're supposed no, to if you do it the right it. way, it takes two and a half days yeah. or something like a, yeah. a day and a half. He has you have. You slow cook a chicken thigh in duck fat at 200 degrees and then let it sit in the... Fr- There's so much ridiculous So many stuff. steps. Yeah. We tried to do it in one night. It took... We didn't yeah. eat till midnight. And I cheated. I used like liquid smoke. Anyway, so we'll we'll have a separate foodie episode. But Momofuku, multiple times for some reason. I mean, the there's nights where we binge watch stuff on Netflix together just because David Chang is there. So the the last one I'll touch on that we hadn't done yet is Discover Brooklyn. And I want to say before we went to the Brooklyn Bridge together, 
Chris had never stepped foot in Brooklyn. Being from Queens, you don't cross well, there's a, the so, river slash dividing line. It's just not a thing people do. So in the 80s and 90s, Brooklyn was the armpit of New York. The parking was terrible. Traffic was bad. There's no major highways that go through it. It's worse than L.A., right? It's like taking all of L.A. and squeezing it into like five square miles. Um, and so much of it was just like slums. And I'm not touting the fact that it's an awesome place to go now because it's gentrified but discover brooklyn is in a book like that like 101 places to or things to do in new york before you die because it got gentrified right but what they're touting are some of the places that are mainstays that have been there are stalwarts that have survived from you know generation to generation the, the cool part about brooklyn is that it's still and the only reason it's cool is because the rest of new york got super watered down Right. I think the coolest borough in New York City these days is Philadelphia. Right. And it's because this gentrification, the Hobokenism of all of New York City, anything close to the waterfront. The cool part about Brooklyn is that they've done a good job at keeping the Walmarts out and keeping. And so now we actually seek it out because we can go to a pizza joint that's been there and in the same family for 100 years. But growing up in New York City, if you're from Queens, Brooklyn yep. was the shitty borough, right? And we were cooler than them because they sucked. It was a slum. And somehow, some way, I leave New York in 2000 and I Queens come goes back. Downhill. I come back and all of a sudden, Brooklyn's like the hip, cool place to be. And they are coined with being the birth of the hipster, right? And now nobody knows about Queens, which I still hold near and dear to my heart cooler than any other borough out there might be a little biased don't tell people i like that it's a hidden secret what queens yeah yeah i I think those days are number two and i think we are a perfect example of what not to do we moved to long island city where we have to order like the indian food here is terrible yeah (laughs) we have Uh, to we have to go to jackson heights to get good indian food but it's right here it is. It's the other direction on the seven. Yeah. How true, many times do we go that direction? Not How many enough. times have we gone out to Jackson Heights for Indian food since we've known each other? Not enough. Exactly. Um, so anyway, the point of talking about go to Brooklyn and explore it and the fact that Chris was vehemently against visiting Brooklyn. Sorry, I'm getting excited now. And I know this is what I... So next episode will be every time Chris cuts off Kayla, you drink. So I think we've killed the so. I could be wrong. We got to listen back to this. and we have to listen back. Yeah. So I stopped thinking about whether or not we say so too much. Um, rabbit hole. But yeah, every time Chris cuts off Kayla. So yes, it's your turn. You can have the mic. Oh, now. that's so <laughs> nice of you. That'll be the next drinking game. Every time Chris cuts off Kayla, drink. <laughs> um, no, on that page, which makes me even cuter four years ago, and again, needing to step up my game still but on that page i had drop dead gorgeous a genius and hilarious (laughs) uh on that page i had printed out tickets to a john legend concert in brooklyn as a barclay center as a second part of your birthday gift that's right yeah so i really nailed it until my birthday until your birthday. So this is a this is probably a good time to move on to the next section of the show. But 
give the photo. That was an unbelievably long, awkward pause. And you then you left off with so. <laughs> I did, and that I think that's what screwed me up. I'm like, I just said so, didn't I? And I didn't want to call myself out on it, but I did oh, quietly. So great. So, so, <laughs> so give the listeners at home, our friends and new family on the interwebs, and our new community. That's going to give us all sorts of wonderful feedback. Um, I'd say give them a preview of how, of, yeah, of that next. So you gave me this book. Yep. Which was hands down one of the, I'm still talking. (laughs) One of the best gifts you've ever been given. I don't think anything was nearly as thoughtful as this book. And I, I don't have... I have that little box of memories and there's not a whole lot in there because I lose shit all the time when I'm an idiot. But this one is a treasure and I, I'm looking forward to handing that thing down to somebody generations from now and I hope it stays alive in the family. I think it's an interesting time capsule piece that speaks and I'm glad we're talking about it. I'm glad we spent this much time talking about it. But the segue was into... Me tooting my own horn, believe it or not. <laughs> but I'm going to have you do it for me. Segway. <laughs> Segway is into the gift that Chris gave me. His birthday is in June and mine is in October. So to be fair, my birthday was many months after we had been dating. The L-bomb had already been dropped. We were already in love with each other. He was much further along and had much more to go off of. And I had already given him the great idea of a memorable gift of things that we had done and things to do. He gave me one of don't, the, don't tell him. the most don't. amazing gifts. And I'll leave it at that. Uh, so we'll get into that a little bit later yeah. in another so, episode. Yeah, another episode. October 2014 versus June 2014. And where we were. So that's that's love story version two. Half love story, half travel guide, half sober. I don't know about you. But I'm halfway through this bottle of rosé. Oh, you had some, so I'm not halfway through it. Let's move on to the rapid fire section of the of the show. So this is so I said the word so again. <laughs> this is the portion of the show. We're gonna try to keep this up. Anytime we go so most of the stuff that I'm aspirationally looking forward to doing is actually capturing some of our thoughts. Obviously right now we're getting super nostalgic and I do think there's a handful of stories, four or five stories that we can tell about places that we've gone or Mm -hmm. the big trips that we take each year. So like one of the questions in the early goings, I think I've said so 80 times in the last eight seconds. Um, One of the questions that we asked earlier on is what type of traveler, you know, how, what, what kind of travelers are we? You said prior to, and we never got to actually what type of travel you are. Yeah. Well, I would say before we started dating and it's not that I'm a big planner. I've always, I mean, I moved here without any type of a plan. So that's probably not the way that I would describe myself, but I think just the unknown scared me a little bit more, especially in different countries. And now I'm much more open to new experiences, to new places, and I'm much less fearful of the unknown. So I'd say I can wing it now. And that's something I definitely attribute to our relationship and to traveling with you. And I would say that's a huge part of the way that we travel. And 
if anything, I would describe myself as a very adventurous and spontaneous travel. And I think with the spontaneity comes the laziness on the other end of (laughs) I don't do much research before I go places. (laughs) You know, it depends where I'm going. But at the end of the day, I'll show up somewhere sight unseen and sort of figure it out and ask questions. And there's a lot to be said for that kind of travel. Hence the ensuing hilarity for not being prepared walking into Harry's situations. Yeah. Um, Getting off the plane in Cusco will definitely, or spending the night in Lima Airport, will will teach you to plan. And that was actually the trip that we did plan. Um, I was thinking more along the lines of we're not nomads. So I think a lot of people that listen to travel podcasts or people that travel the world basically round the clock. That's their that's their home is the road. We are not those people. I think it's aspirational. Maybe one day if the stars align the right way, we'll we'll find a way to figure that out. Um, I am hoping to learn more about how people do it through this show, and I want to talk to tons of people who have who have figured it out. We'll start with our friends at homesweethudson.com. I think that's a great a shameless plug. Great way to, to kind of get the ball rolling in that front. Um, but in terms of the types of travel or the type of traveler I would identify with personally is I'm a road warrior during the week. I travel a boatload or a buttload, shit ton, clinical term, uh, shit ton during the week for work. Um, and so do you. Uh, we haven't seen each other for basically the entire month of August because our travel schedules did not align quite like the, I don't know, the, I was about to the quote. stars in the sky. Something like that. I was going to try to quote a song lyric from, I think, Jefferson Starship. And I couldn't, I haven't slept in months, so I'm not going to be able to pull that rabbit out of my ass. I forgot what the hell I was talking about. Where am I going? What kind of a travel? Yes, road war. Thank you. You are my true north. (laughs) One day I'm going to do an episode by myself and it's just going to be me chasing my tail for an hour and a half down some ridiculous (laughs) rabbit hole. Um, road warrior during the week, weekend warrior, not during the week. We, even after a month of traveling, not seeing each other, we're like, where can we go this mm-hmm. weekend? It's <laughs> we weird for us to sit still. <laughs> it's hard. And then one or two big trips a year where yeah. big international trips, we try to squeeze in weekends here and there when we can. Um, and this is again, part of probably what's unique about us is that we've clearly been sucked into the New York rat race mentality. The It's going to be interesting. I don't think either one of us see us settling down and raising kids in New York. I mean, I could. I don't think you can. But regardless, I believe there's going to be a point in time where we look back on our lives professionally as adults in New York City and say how or why would anyone live that lifestyle and oh shit booze is definitely kicking in if I start with these grand I get lost in my own story halfway through it's a very work hard play hard mentality though like we're not unique in the sense that we get out of town on the weekends I think it's a very common part of living here is you go, go, go every single day, Monday to Friday, 
before 9 a.m., past 6 p.m. You know, there's no nine. Nobody works nine to five here. Um, and then the weekends come and you just kind of have to I've never seen a happy hour. Like there are happy hour specials. I don't know what time they start. All I know is that they end before I leave the office. They definitely end before seven o'clock everywhere. Who are these people that are going to happy hour? It's not a thing. There's the odd location that does happy hour until 8 p.m. 735. (laughs) There might be a page in that damn book that says catch a New York City happy hour. I have caught happy hour in London which is awesome i would if new york city happy hour is anything like london happy hour i'm in i should seek these things out rabbit hole sorry (laughs) what's what's my next line all right so want to jump into rapid fire questions oh we started that segue about an hour ago didn't we okay um rapid fire questions and oh that's right so we're gonna do this when we go on site somewhere so this will be interesting but it's gonna be weird some of these questions aren't going to make sense because they're focused towards New York City and we live here. So we're going to start with these and we'll just make light of the fact that some of these are silly because we live here. Um, I'll ask you one to five stars. I'll throw a topic at you or base it and, and we'll do this in every city or, yeah. or state, country, territory, protectorate, colony that we go to. And it's basically an over like a... a 30,000 foot view of your opinion based on your usually limited experience of being in that particular area of the world. Uh, One to five stars as if you're rating the entire city on Yelp, right? So New York City, overrated, underrated, or one, two, three, four, five stars. How would you rate the cuisine or the food scene? I would say cuisine-wise, Neither over over or under. I think it's accurately rated. I think everybody knows New York City is one of the best places to find great cuisine. As we've already used the term melting pot, there's all these different neighborhoods to explore, all these different cuisine types to explore. I would give it five stars, hands down. That's such an easy question to answer. You can find anything you're looking for. Morning, lunch, midnight, you know, any time of the day, there's something amazing to eat and taste and try. I'd give it four and a half stars only because I'm hopeful that, like, I don't want to give anyone an A+. plus. I feel like that, that Harvard professor, it's like, no one gets an A+. Plus I'm too nice. No one gets an A+, plus in my class. Um, I'd love to find the five star. But two sides to this coin. Some of the best Thai food I've ever had in the wor- in, in my life was in Thailand. And it had more to do with the experience, and it's largely sweating in your food, or paying eight cents for, for a meal while you're sitting at a picnic table being served by somebody who's feeding their entire family off of that 80 cents that I gave them for a shrimp the size of my head. I'm sure you could find that experience you know, deep in a burrow somewhere. <laughs> Fair. The difference is, is I, so the... The double-edged sword is some of the best Thai food I've ever had in my life was in Thailand, more because of the experience, but there is the aftermath of eating in a third-world country, which usually shows up in the form of finding a liquid way to exit your body. The best Thai food I've ever had without having to deal with it gastronomically afterwards is in New York City. <laughs> so yeah, you could definitely find, find awesome quasi-authentic cuisine here. I mean, I wouldn't say the Chinese food is authentic in North America in general, but New York Chinese food is pretty freaking awesome. 
All right. What about the weather in New York City? You and I are going to have very different answers to this question. So would you get? Would you give New York City weather five stars? I, I mean, you would? I, I didn't say that. I absolutely would not. What, would you give it four? I would give it one and a half. I think it's some of the worst. You've been living here for six years. Is that over or under? <laughs> for someone who derives so much of... Like you wake up in the morning and you are so naturally stimulated by life if the sun is shining. You pull the blinds up. That's the first thing you do is pull the blinds up. And I'm like the the damn vampire in a coffin that you open the door to soon. One and a half stars yeah. is all you're giving New York? Yeah. New York City? Yes. The New York only, is the state. Uh, the, no, the city. Definitely the city. Uh, there's nothing worse than being in humid temperature or atmosphere. Than sure there around. is. You said what's worse than this is the minus 12 you get in February. Oh, all right. All right. There's definitely something worse. But as far as summer is concerned, the humidity, I would rather be, and I traveled to Las Vegas for work a lot, I would rather be in 105 to 10 degrees in Las Vegas where it is dry heat than 80 and humid in New York City. I used to say no-brainer. So the heat is brutal, let alone the snow and the cold and this summer of all summers, I've never seen or experienced so much rain in a summer season in my entire life. You're so, so close to being a New Yorker. You're just been, this is the last piece. It's been brutal. That you're missing. Yeah. As a culture, if New Yorkers can claim their own culture, we are only content or fulfilled in life if there's something to complain about. And the winters are cold and miserable. The summers are hot and disgusting. We get eight hours of spring. Yeah. But we get a fall. Yeah. The only thing I love is fall. I love the fall. I'm so excited for the fall. And it's September, but it feels like. Yeah, it's still pretty hot. Yeah. Um, it's, yeah, it's not a New Yorker thing. I think anybody would say that who visits here. People who come from out of town, everybody sort of has the same approach to the weather. I mean, it's not like you avoid it during those times because it's New York and there's so much to offer. But It's character building. Right. Right. All right. We're, we just spent the last five minutes talking about the weather. Stretching a dollar. So this will be more relevant in other countries and when we start hitting the road and yeah. broadcasting live. So this one's easy. It's, you know, how cost effective can you be in the city or is the city itself? I would say overall, clearly there's the conception that New York City is one of the more expensive cities, which it is. Did you say conception? Okay. Carrying on. It's a good word. But I would say if you're looking to be cost effective, you can be here. Yeah. So I would say underrated if this were a pass fail. Yeah. I think, I, I think New York gets a bad rap for obviously we're super jaded and we found it took us a long time to get here. We didn't just land and figure out ways to be economic or cost effective but I think if you're traveling here, it's super tough. If you're coming as a tourist, yep. 
um, just accommodations in and of itself. So if we were looking at this, obviously it's different. We live here. This is, this is, we're screwing up the rapid fire section of our own show because we live in New York city. But, um, if we were to visit here, if we, when we leave, when we move out and we find some other place to call home and we come back to visit New York, I think we're going to have a very different perspective. I don't think we'll come here near as much as we'd like to because it is that expensive to get here, to get into the city from the airport. Right? I don't think many people budget for that. And right? if you land in JFK, how are you getting into Manhattan? I'm taking a subway. I've never taken a subway. <laughs> Yeah. It's but a it's, long, it's a long trek. So you're either sacrificing on one end, like it's over an hour. And it's funny, I go into other countries now. And if it takes over an hour via train, I won't do it. I'll take a car, but it's so much more cost effective to do so in other countries here. It's at least 60 to a hundred dollars to get into the city. Yeah. $50 to get, and we don't, we don't live in Manhattan proper. Right. We don't have to go over a bridge, but it's 50, $60 by car from JFK to get from Queens to Queens. So point being, I think it's definitely, it's obviously one of the more expensive cities in the country, in the world, but I think there are definitely ways to be smart about it. And there are definitely underground or places that you can go to be smart about it. You're not going to get a five-star rated restaurant or, you know, something super fine dining or one of those crazy Broadway experiences, but you can get creative. There are a lot of walking tours. There are a lot of free things to do in the city. And the city, I feel like is the free thing to do, mm -hmm. do a three bridge tour, 14 mile right. hike. Right. Right. There's, you're going best people, watch, not best people watching in the world. Cause I'm from here and I'm just watching other New Yorkers be New Yorkers. Um, there are ways don't let the number of dollars you think it costs to come to New York city discourage you. It's hard. It's supposed to be hard. That's how we keep people out because there's too many people here to begin with. But if you can do it here, do it. You thought I was going to go do a Frank Sinatra cliche thing. Didn't you? Now I do. <laughs> uh, what about accessibility getting around? Uh, if you know what you're doing. All right. I still screw up a subway from time to time. Yep. We've been to other countries where the subways are very intuitive or the train or the public transit system is super intuitive. New York City, I feel like it keeps it cryptic on purpose. <laughs> it really does. Um, I mean, if you've got... If you've got the extra coin to splurge on cabs and Ubers and Lyfts, then you can get anywhere you want inside of if you're willing to sit in traffic an hour, hour and a half. But if you can figure out the subway, it's worth doing and it's a badge of honor. Definitely figure it out. Get down there with the rest of us human beings and live a New York moment and just take your headphones off and and play the game like don't make it used to be don't make eye contact now everyone's staring at their phone so it's not as fun as it used to be so i would disagree i would say it's actually i think a bit easier to navigate here because it's a graded city and especially going on the one two three line or the four five six line where you're going either uptown or downtown it's pretty straightforward i'm in you know, lower Manhattan and I want to get to Midtown, I'm going to take the uptown direction. I think the grid system, the numbered grid system helps a lot. Yep. Yeah. 
the numbered grid system is awesome. So anyway, I think it's worth doing your research and taking the train. Uh, what about friendliness of locals? I would give New Yorkers probably somewhere in the middle as far as friendliness because I think there's a difference between friendliness and honesty. And I would say New Yorkers don't bullshit. So if they don't like you, they don't pretend like they like you. And if they have a problem, they don't pretend like they don't. And that's something I've learned to appreciate since being here and since traveling elsewhere. And it's definitely a different type of approach. But I think it's something that there's a lot to be said for, for just that honesty of New Yorkers. So I think that's why they get a bad rep is that they come across as assholes because they'll tell you the truth. But at the end of the day... Would you rather know the truth or have somebody talk about you behind your back? So I'm, I'm hopeful we can. So obviously jumping to other countries around the world. We're going to base it on how they're. So like when you go to Southeast Asia, I feel like everyone rolls out the red carpet for you. But you're a tourist and I don't mm-hmm. you know, it's it's difficult to quantify whether or not it's genuine. You know, I want to uh, you know, most of it, I feel like, what have they got to lose by not being nice to me? So I believe in my heart of hearts that, you know, these are just genuinely happy people and they're friendly and they'll stop and help you and be patient. But those, we don't have those interactions here because mm-hmm. we live here. And I'm curious to see if we can ever find a travel experience that can emulate that or at least parallel that authenticity. So when we answer the same question when we go to other places, I don't know if we'll give it a one to five for the same reasons we've, again, because we're we're more weekend warriors and one big trip, and we travel fast. We haven't done the slow travel yet. We haven't spent a month and immersed ourselves into a particular culture and gotten past the let's be polite to everybody. Because if a tourist stops me on the street as a New Yorker and they ask me for directions somewhere, I'm going to stop and point them in the right direction. Um, Right. And I think that's another area that, so I gave us a three for friendliness because I feel like when you think of friendly, you think of people that smile at you when you walk past them on the street and say hello. And to be honest, there's just too many people in the city to do that for everybody. But I do think once you have a conversation with a New Yorker, you'll find that they're actually a lot nicer than you would have expected. So I love giving people directions. I love sharing that knowledge. You know, if somebody needs help as a tourist. And if you stop and speak to, so the flip side or the sharper edge of that sword would be if you stop and speak to a New Yorker and you get an authentic vent session, I think it's, it's a good part of life that if you've never been exposed to it, like go sit down at an Italian Sunday afternoon dinner, a 2 p.m. six hour meal and watch how family stops being nice to each other, but they still love each other. There's <laughs> there's some awesome, that's the, the underbelly of New York. When you've got millions of people with disparate intentions all going about their day and not just <laughs> killing each other in the process. It's it's a mini miracle walking down the street. I don't know if we've we've got that kind of insight into the places that we've traveled because of the types of travelers that we are. So speaking of not killing each other as we pass each other on the street, what would you rate <laughs> personal safety in the city? Um, it's it's I mean New York, 
New York's pretty easy these days. You know, obviously growing up here, 80s and 90s, there's some sketchy parts of town. There's still, I mean, if you want to seek out a place to, and you want to stomp your feet and let the world know that you're an asshole, you can you can paint a bullseye on your ass in just about any part of the world that you want. Um, I do think New York's gotten pretty soft. Again, the edgiest part of New York is now in Philadelphia. <laughs> so, um, yeah, it's pretty pretty easy to. I mean, you could fall asleep on the train, wake up in Coney Island, in the bad part of Coney Island, and you'd still get home, right? Yeah. I haven't had many moments where I haven't felt safe here. I And it's one of those places that you can walk around at 3 a.m. in the morning, and there's always somebody out and about, so you're never really alone on the streets. And I think if I were in even a quieter, safer, or smaller town... I would feel a little bit more scared just not seeing other people. But here, there's just always people out. So yeah. that's comforting. Yeah. And I say that with disappointment. There used to be an edge and a grittiness to New York, which is gone. Like, you watch The Warriors, you know, like an old 80s movie of, like, the gangs in New York. and It's not here anymore. I don't know why I'm nostalgic for that. I was, like, nine when that <laughs> shit was going down. When it was weird to be on the subways or you couldn't go to Central Park. There was a time when you couldn't go to Central Park after dark. So speaking of cultural diversity. If you want access to it, you can have it in this town. Mm -hmm. But the city, I think, has made it very easy to avoid. Yeah, I mean, I think you can stay in your small pockets and not get diverse. But as you travel, like I said, from one neighborhood in the same or one part of a neighborhood to another. So within Jackson Heights, I saw yeah, I just don't multiple think, ethnicities. I don't think a tourist, right? If I'm coming, so think about it. Like we're going to go to Hong Kong in a couple of months, right? Are we going to go to the Jackson Heights of Hong Kong? Are we even going to think to seek that out? We're only going to be there like 48 hours. I would Is that say, going to be on the list? I would say even in Manhattan, though, you're going to see a number of different. I mean, there's Chinatown, there's Koreatown, there's Harlem, like within the island. You know, it's not yeah. that We've still got expansive. neighborhoods, and I feel like they are a shadow of what they once were. Yeah. But you can still get the flavor. I... I wouldn't give New York a five-star rating. Again, I'm super harsh because I live here and I've grown up here. So it's not take everything I'm saying with a grain of salt because it's who we are as New Yorkers. Negative <laughs> Nellies. Um, what about nightlife? Uh, that, I'd give it a five. And begrudgingly so, I am finishing the last of this wine, but it's all right. You have a full glass. Um. I'd give the New York nightlife a five. Anything you want to do, you can find here. I'm trying to, I'm racking my brain right now to try to figure out what you can't do. I think that it's, it might be a six and that's a dangerous thing because living, when I lived out in California, they used to shut you down at two o'clock and they'd start shutting you down at like one thirty and call last call because they knew you were going to milk that last drink until mm -hmm. the last possible minute and you could get kicked out of a bar at 2 a.m. and still show up to work the next day and function. In New York, if you're out till four, if you're out till they close the bar, and if you know, if you know people, you could stay at a bar from 4 a.m. to 6 a.m. It's not legal, 
But if you know a guy, you can be there from 4 to 6 a.m. And they open the bar back up at 6 a.m. <laughs> Why do they even bother? Why do they bother closing the bar from 4 to 6? Is it just like to mop down the place? I don't get it. Anything you want to do. If you want to sleep all day and just be awake, this is the most nocturnal city you can find. Hands down. Agreed. Yeah. I'd say New York is a uh, a five, dangerously six. I would absolutely agree. I think anything yeah. you want to do here, you can do. Um, so last few. So we did. We didn't do access to nature or natural beauty. I think that's a good one. Mm-hmm. Worth touching on. It's definitely something that's accessible if you know how to find it. I think there are pockets. Central Park being a massive, massive hole in your pants pocket <laughs> what i, I <laughs> so did not get that metaphor it's it more, might have something to do with the fact it's, it's more than a pocket it's a it's a big hole <laughs> New, central park is a big hole yeah if you look at the grid of manhattan it's oh square so, miles so almost literally yeah almost literally yeah figuratively literally on a map so I would say if you know where to find when it, you say there's hole in access. your pocket, I'm thinking. I said hole in your pants. Hole in your what? What does that <laughs> even mean? Like I split my pants? What the hell are we talking about? It's gotten so weird. <laughs> so. Do people? Is that a thing people say? No, I just made it up, and no, I'll <laughs> never use it again. <coughs> oh. I told you I was hilarious. You are <laughs> hilarious. Um, anyway, what do you think about natural beauty now that I'm shut down? Um, the history of... So when people think New York City, they think Manhattan. And it is, it is a concrete jungle. So the natural beauty... When you think of like going to the Grand Canyon or... Iceland, yeah, it doesn't, like, you're not going to get volcano tubes and glaciers inside of, and geysers quite the way you do in certain, or, like, towns that have been ravaged by earthquake and built shipping container malls around it, you know, like Christchurch in New Zealand, something ridiculous like that. I wouldn't, I wouldn't say Manhattan has much access to natural beauty. There's Central Park, and that's almost obligatory, um... I would say some hidden gems, though. There's uh, some really good public spaces, and that's that's really the New York was flattened. Was basically f- I mean, the only ridges that you have are still in Central Park, and there's some cool stuff that you'll learn if you go to the Ameri- or the Museum of Natural History about how New York was just wiped out. Like it used to be, everything that you see in Central Park, these gigantic rocks that have been there since the age of the dinosaurs, those used to be littered throughout Manhattan. And it was, I think, the largest source of the strongest lumber, right? So when the British owned, or was, you know, when the British owned or controlled New York City, the only wood that they would use to build the Queen's Navy, right? The battleships in when they used to make ships out of wood came from Manhattan because it was the strongest lumber. So there's some really cool agricultural or natural history from a ecological standpoint. If you look at Manhattan itself, right? It's all bedrock 
underneath, which means they can build these massive high-rises. That's why you don't see high-rises in Long Island, because it's largely sand that resulted from a glacier pushing, pushing the stuff. I don't know where all this earth science is being <laughs> regurgitated from. Um, this is like eighth grade where I learned all this stuff, which is easily 4,000 years ago. Um, but no, natural beauty in Manhattan doesn't exist, but you don't have to go that far outside. So New Jersey, not many people know this, absolutely gorgeous. So there's the there's Palisades Park, which is starts at like Fort Lee or George Washington. So Palisades Park, which is just west of the Hudson, if you walk over the George Washington Bridge, come down and just start walking north, you hit some really cool greenery that has been preserved. No, it's north. No, she's not saying it out loud, and she's correcting me. Um, and there's some cool history behind it. That's where George Washington actually made his retreat during the Revolutionary War when when the British kicked him out of Manhattan, and he started the strategic retreat through New Jersey. He walked up. There's some name for the wood, the stone stairs that you're not allowed to walk up anymore because they've been demolished. Um, or just they've been worn down because too many hikers have walked up them. But there's some awesome natural beauty right across the river in New Jersey. Um, head up to the Cloisters. What's that park? Riverside Park, something like that. Mm-hmm. Awesome public spaces over there. Um, trying to think. Westchester, Nyack, Tarrytown. I mean, talk about greenery. Um, we even went and did a we bicycle. We rented bicycles and went east into Queens and found some really interesting wetlands and, and swampland. Remember when we took bicycles and we went like, we went off road and we found, we've got some great shots on our Instagram feed. And yeah, that and was right by city field or I mean, relatively close. <laughs> <laughs> I'm the one who's directionally challenged, but it was a great fall. Yes. It was like a, it was like an autumn day. So yeah. again, most beautiful season of the yeah. year. Um, we ended up then biking to City Field from there. That right, like, yeah, Flushing Meadows there. Park. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, so awesome public spaces. I think there's some interesting biodiversity that if you're seeking it out, you can find it. But I would not, like, I would give Iceland and New Zealand a five on the natural beauty scale. Mm-hmm. Um, certain parts of Thailand that haven't been stomped on too much, I'd give a five. I'd give New York City if we're calling it. You know, if we're being hyper-focused in, into the city it would be probably a three and a half. Uh, yeah, I'd go a little under that, but I don't want to shit on it too much. It's just, it's if more... If you want to find it, I feel like you can... You The thing is you got to work for it here because yeah, it is a major I think, metropolis. I think the difference is natural beauty versus... I think the skyline is gorgeous. It's just not natural. You know, I think one of the most Fair. beautiful things of the city is getting just outside of it. Like where we live we're you know one subway stop across the east river and we look back at midtown manhattan it's absolutely beautiful and there's a park where we are man-made park mind you and it's a beautiful development but i just i think as far as natural beauty is concerned it doesn't quite fit into that but it is a beautiful city in its own right it is for one of the dirtiest cities in the world (laughs) it's a beautiful city yes um so i think I think that's a good place to wrap it up. We can. There's certainly more questions in the rapid fire realm that we can probably come up with, and I think they'll be, you know, more relevant. Like I'm not going to ask, "Would you live here?" 
about New York City, but as we go to these other spots around the globe, I think would you live here would spawn some interesting discussion. Yeah. Um, so a quick wrap up. Awesome. <clears throat> um, quick breakdown of the booze consumed. So this is for our future sponsors. If they want us to drink their special brand of adult beverage, we had Carpene Malvolti. An 1868 extra dry Italian Prosecco in a very sexy bottle that you can't tell the booze is gone because it's so dark. And that was shortly followed up by a super skinny, very simple, at least it had a a nice descriptive long commercial on the side of the bottle for us, a Portuguese rosé. So those are the two tonight. I don't know. Did you have any before coming home from work or no? No. No no happy hours tonight. I think we both left the office (laughs) after 8 p.m. Um, Word of the day, nugget of wisdom, meaningful quote for fellow wanderlusters. What do you want to leave them with? Um, I don't have a word of the day, but I would say... Word of the day is so... Those poor bastards are hammered, passed out 40 minutes ago. Um, well, more to come from history buff Chris. and That was the extent <laughs> of all of my... So that was my entire high school knowledge base wrapped up into, <laughs> tied with a nice pretty little bow. That's everything I know. I think that falls under nugget of wisdom is keep listening for I don't think that's everything that you know and everything you are going to be excited to share history wise because you're a history buff. Um, so I would say keep listening I, I, I made for more. half that shit up. This is <laughs> so this has become half love story, half travel guide, half drunken history <laughs> and totally tober. But I, I do think that this was this turned into a love letter to New York City. Um and there's very few places that I think we can actually give that level of insight. And so this turned into something a bit longer than we probably expected. So quote of the day is we'll try our damnedest to trim this down in the future. <laughs> <laughs> Agreed. It's hard not to elaborate on all the stories for every question that we yeah, can talk about. I feel like there's just so much information we yeah. want to squeeze in to day one. So we'll we'll be nicer on you. This is definitely not something. So I only listen to podcasts while I'm, you know, in the shower in the morning or on the subway to work. And that's a combined 30 minutes. So this would take me three days to get through. Um, but we'll uh, we'll trim it down and keep it hyper focused in the future. But uh, no, I think I think the uh, meaningful quote or word of wisdom or really just what we want to get out there is thank you for listening. Hope you stick around as we figure out more words of the day that we say too much that have become part of our lexicon. Um, But stay tuned. We're going to interview some pretty interesting people and go out and do some silly stuff that we're not ready to do and force ourselves into some awkward situations and have some adventures. And really, life's too short to learn everything the hard way. I will learn most of it the hard way for you. Stick around, and I promise I will be brutally honest about all the stupid shit that I do. 
I'm hoping they learn from it. What about you? I'm going to throw it back at you and you say goodnight. <laughs> say, say goodnight to the 12 listeners at home. Yep. All right. 12, I think, might be an exaggeration. But just to echo that, thank you for listening. And we look forward to seeing you guys next time. Keep Wanderlust al- wa- <laughs> Keep Wanderlust alive. <laughs> we should stick to a bottle and a half next time. Good night, guys. Thank you. <laughs>